You know, as Jacob was leading us just a moment ago, he mentioned um, sort of the season that we're in. And the question someone might ask is, is this the right season to be calling people, to challenging people toward doing a fast that maybe some of you have never done before? And you think about that question and you think about the season we're in, you think about COVID cases spiking like we've never seen before. You think about the number of deaths or the numbers of infections and then the government response that has shuttered businesses and put people inside their homes and it's just devastating families and schools. You think about the political season we've just been through and the election that happened back in November and the election that happened this last Tuesday and all the tumult that's been going on there. You think of what we've seen in this last week on the news and what I would describe as nothing less than like a, a godless nihilism taking place in the Capitol. But like you see what's going on with these people, with this anger, with this rage that's all over the place right now. You, you see all of the anger, all of the frustration, all of the despair, all of the hate. And the question is, is this the right moment to be calling people toward 21 days of fasting? And my answer is, that there has never been a more important moment for the people of God to fast and to pray. And tonight, I want you to know that I have one singular objective with this sermon this evening. And that is by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to call as many of you in this room and as many of you listening online as possible to join us for 21 days of fasting that we would fast, that we would give up food for the sake of our own souls, for the sake of our church, for the sake of our nation and for the sake of our world. That, that is my objective tonight. I want you to know exactly where we're going. I want you to know exactly what this is. I'm gonna lay out what the fast is, how you can participate. Uh, but the most important thing for you to know tonight is this, um, that this is a desperate and pivotal time in world history. And in the scriptures, when the need is the greatest, the people of God consistently, regularly, faithfully fast and pray. Uh, I wanna show you that in the scriptures tonight. And so what we've talked about uh, already this evening, and if you came in late, we'll just kind of describe this for you. We are going into a period called our 21 days of fasting. When we say 21 days of fasting, we've intentionally called it this, it is not a 21 day fast. Meaning we are not asking everyone in this room starting tomorrow to not eat for 21 days. It is a 21 day period where we are calling our church, specifically our young adults ministry here toward time of prayer and fasting. And as I get toward the end of the sermon tonight, I'll talk about how that plays out and how you specifically can get involved um, in our 21 days of fasting. But I wanna kind of give you the basics to start uh, and then I wanna go toward the scriptures. So I'm gonna give you the who, what, when, where, why. Let's start with who. Here's who this is for. This is for anyone who is hungry for more of God in 2021. This is for anyone in this room who wants more of God. It's for anyone who 2020 kind of rattled your faith a little bit. It's for anyone in this room who's been drifting away from Jesus or drifting away from the things of the Lord or feels like they were closer at one point than they used to be. It's for anyone in this room who is part of our young adults ministry. And I want you to listen to me online. I know there are hundreds of people who are not young adults who join us every single Thursday for our live stream. And I want you to know that you're involved with this too. You don't have to be a young adult. You simply have to be an individual who wants more of God in 2021. I'm gonna be bold and challenge some of you here who aren't even sure you're Christians yet. I think that you can participate in this fast, not because you understand everything about God, but because you might even be hungry for more of him. Who is it for? It's for any Christian who wants more of God. What is it? It's us abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. This is the definition of fasting. It is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. 
There are going to be a number of ways we're going to talk about how that plays out in your life. So again, don't, don't jump to conclusions yet. But, but what I want to emphasize here is that we are abstaining from food. Biblically, fasting is always about food. Sometimes you'll hear Christians say, well, I'm going to fast from Facebook or fast from Netflix or fast from social media. And you might want to do that in addition to your fast that you're abstaining from food. But I want to be really clear that when the Bible talks about fasting, it talks about food. And so tonight, what I'm going to invite you to do is to think about the very thing that keeps your body alive. I want you to think about food. When we talk about fasting, I'm gonna talk about food. The who is anyone who wants more of God. The what is we're abstaining from food. And I wanna talk about what that means tonight. The when, here's the when. It starts tomorrow, January 8th. So tomorrow, Friday, January 8th, our fast will begin. Uh, if you decide to fast tonight, we'll begin that fast tomorrow morning. And it'll end on January 28th, which is a Thursday night, three weeks from now. We'll have a celebration service. That's gonna be our baptism service. We're gonna celebrate all that God did during the fast three weeks from tonight. Where, where is this happening? Anywhere you are. So those of you that are here, congratulations, you're fasting here. So those of you who are listening online, maybe you go to college out of state or somewhere else, you can join us from anywhere in the world for this. So whether you're at college or you just live somewhere else, anyone is welcome to join us. That's the who, the what, the when, the where. And then what's the last question always? Why? Why do we fast? Listen to the rest of the sermon and that will give you the answer. This is the fast we're going into. I wanna talk about fasting tonight. Here is the assumption I'm going to make. The assumption I'm going to make is that you have not spent a ton of time in your life reflecting on the biblical idea of fasting. If you have spent a ton of time on this, I think tonight will be an encouragement, a reminder, those types of things. But my assumption based on what's true of most people in the church in the West and in the United States of America is that you have not spent a lot of time thinking about fasting. And so tonight I wanna to talk to you about fasting. I wanna help you understand fasting. Uh, and then, like I said, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want as many of you to join in on this, to pray for ourselves, our church, our nation, and our world. So let's talk about fasting. Here's how I want to begin with it tonight. I wanna to talk really clearly as we begin. I wanna clear some things out of the way. I wanna talk about what fasting is not. I wanna just get some things out of your mind before we go too far down this road. Here's what fasting is not. Number one, it is not a way to atone for your sins. I wanna be abundantly clear that on the cross of Jesus Christ, all your sins were atoned for. You have nothing left to pay for. If you are using fasting as some kind of tool to make yourself right with God, you've missed the point of the gospel and you've missed the point of fasting. I've met people who have said, well, every time I sin or every time I cross this line with my boyfriend or every time I drink too much or look at porn, I'll fast as a way to make myself right with God. And if you are in that place, you have missed the point of the gospel and you will never get the benefit of fasting. Your sins are 100% atoned for. You do not fast to suffer for your sins. Jesus already did that on the cross, amen? Amen. Here's what fasting is not. It's not a way to atone for your sins. Second, it's not a way to get what you want from God. Fasting is not a way to bribe God. It's not like, well, I've been praying for a boyfriend for a long time, so if I don't eat for a little bit, it's gonna be a good year. You know, like, that's not it. It's not the way you get what you want. It's not how you get a new job or a raise or into the college you want. It is not a way to bribe God or get what you want from him. Next thing that fasting isn't. Fasting is not a time management tool. Some of you have heard me say this before. I'll say it again because it is the biggest thing that bugs me about fasting. I read books about fasting. I hear sermons about fasting. And here's what I hear people say. Fasting's great because you don't eat for a day. And then what you do is instead of eating at lunchtime, you read your Bible. And that's kind of where it's left for fasting. 
And I've always thought to myself, like, if the only thing in between you and reading your Bible is your Chipotle or Chick-fil-A at lunch, you have other problems in your life. Like, it's not this tool to, like, eliminate eating because that takes forever, and then you finally have time to read your Bible. There is so much more. It is so much more profound. There's something so much deeper and more spiritual than, like, yeah, clear off your lunch plans because now you've got time to read your Bible. It is not a time management tool. Here's the next thing it is not. It is not only a discipline for super Christians. There is no such thing as super Christians. But some of you in your mind are like, there's me, and then there's like super Christians. Or there's me, I'm like an average Christian, but then there's like the wacky charismatic Christians, right? Like, like you kind of have this different level of Christian. And so a lot of times we say fasting is for those people. Let me be really clear. Fasting's not for super Christians. And hear me. Fasting's not for good Christians. I have a buddy who says it this way. I don't fast because I'm a good Christian. He goes, I fast because I'm a terrible Christian. I fast because there are times I don't pray. I fast because I still wallow in my sin. I fast because there are times I doubt God's goodness. I don't fast because I'm awesome. I fast because I know I'm not awesome and I need more of God. That's the invitation. Fasting isn't for some sort of super Christian. It is a normal thing for normal Christians like you and me. It's not a discipline for super Christians. Next thing, fasting's not, this is important. Fasting is not a weight loss tool. It's not a weight loss tool. Um, as we're going into the new year, a, a lot of you have this idea of how you wanna lose weight or, or you wanna get healthy and all of those things. And listen, I'm not gonna get into all the details of that tonight, other than to say, if the primary reason you are fasting is to lose weight, that is a disordered way of looking at food and will only cause you pain in the long run. Like if you want to lose weight, and you have reasons for that, and I'm not gonna argue with your reasons or not, but if you want to lose weight, starving yourself is never the answer. Fasting is not about weight loss. It is not about health. It's not like IF, intermittent fasting. It's real cool, it's trendy. Like that's not what we're doing here. That is not what this is. And we're gonna talk about that for a moment, but I wanna be really clear. Um, the scriptures are gonna say, if you have some other motivation for fasting other than getting more of God, some other motivation other than an encounter with God, you might actually get that but the scriptures say that'll be your reward. And if you go into the season and your whole goal is weight loss and you lose three pounds through the next three weeks and you feel real good about yourself, that's your reward. But you've left something so much better on the table. Fasting is not given to us in the scriptures as a weight loss tool. Here's the next thing it's not. Fasting is not dangerous or bad for your health. So I'm gonna hold those two things in tension. I think you can go about fasting in a way that you're using it as a weight loss tool where you're like, I feel overweight today, so I'll just fast tomorrow. That is an unhealthy, disordered way of going about it. And at the same time, if you are someone who's going, I wanna fast, but I'm concerned, is this bad for my body? I wanna address that tonight and say that fasting is not dangerous. It is not bad for your health. I need you to know that fasting has happened in every culture, every civilization that has ever been on the history of the earth. It is not a uniquely Christian thing. It is not a uniquely Western thing or Eastern thing. Every single culture ever has had fasting and has found it to be incredibly useful and incredibly doable. Uh, there's a guy, Richard Foster. I wanna read this to you real quick. He, he writes a book called Celebration of Discipline, which I recommend to you fully. And in his chapter on fasting, he has this great word. I've always appreciated this. He says, the constant propaganda fed to us today convinces us that if we have not had three large meals each day and several snacks in between, we are on the verge of starvation. This coupled with a popular belief that it is a positive virtue to satisfy every human appetite has made fasting seem obsolete. Anyone who seriously attempts to fast is bombarded with objections. I understand that fasting is injurious to your health or won't it destroy healthy body tissue? 
All of this is, of course, utter nonsense based on prejudice. While the human body can survive only a short time without air or water, it can go days before starvation begins. So I want to be really clear. If you are going to attempt your first fast, 24 hours, 36 hours, we'll talk about those options as we go. I do not believe there is a risk to your body. The guy who wrote this, Richard Foster, pulled off a 40-day fast. If you got that little pamphlet we handed out at the beginning, you'll see it at the door if you got this thing. Um, this guy, Bill Bright, he did a 40-day fast as well. This is not out of the realm of possibility even for you. And so again, there's an unhealthy way of going about fasting where it turns into this disordered thing where you're using it to lose weight. But then there is an unhealthy perspective that says, if I don't eat for a few hours, I'll die or I'll lose muscle tissue. And that is just not medically true. And then here's um, the final thing I wanna talk about tonight, um, that fasting is not for everyone right now. It's not for everyone right now. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak to a few of you. This is not everyone, but I'm gonna speak to a few of you. Um, some of you have medical conditions where if you fast, it's really gonna mess with you. Your blood sugar has to be at a certain place or there's certain things going on or certain medications you're taking right now and you should not fast. Uh, I'll speak to the ladies, if you're pregnant, if you might become pregnant, if you're breastfeeding, uh, and I know that might not be a ton in this room, but if some of you are listening, you should not fast right now. Um, if you are unsure, if your body can handle fasting, if there's some medical condition, I urge you to talk to your physician before you fast. Um, the last thing we want this to do is not be a blessing to you, but rather be a curse and a damage to you. This isn't everyone, this isn't all people, but the some people in this room, and you know who you are, if you have some kind of condition where you should be wise and think about it before you fast and perhaps even skip it. Uh, and then let me speak on this last one here. Let me speak to anyone who has a history of or is currently walking in eating disorders. I want you to think carefully before you enter into this fast. This last week, I talked to two friends of mine, two people at this church, dear friends. I trust them. I love them. Both of these friends love Jesus. Both of these friends want to become more like Jesus. Both of these friends are sold out for the things of the Lord. One of them, both of them have had eating disorders. One of them said, listen, um, actually fasting was one of the ways I started to find healing in it and started to understand a little bit more what was going on inside my heart. And fasting was a real road to healing and freedom. And the other one said, you know what? Fasting for me just isn't something I can do because I think it'll just lead to some more problems for me. And I don't even know if this side of glory, I'll ever be able to do it. Both love Jesus. Both are walking in wisdom. Both had eating disorders and both are making wise choices. Listen, if you are walking through an eating disorder or have a history of that, I wanna urge you to speak to a professional or wise counsel before you go into a fast so this doesn't become an issue that you're actually playing into something that's going on, okay? So I want you to hear me clearly on this. I want you to be kind to yourself. If now's not the time where you can fast, I don't want you to feel less than, I don't want you to feel like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not loved or I can't come to YA for the next couple weeks. If that is you right now, um, I do not want you to fast. I do not want you to put your body in harm's way um, just so you can feel like you're part of something here. And so then these are what the things, this is what fasting is not. I wanna clear those things out of the way. I wanna make sure we don't have a misunderstanding here. And then really quickly, what I wanna do, it's, you know, this will be kind of the, the bulk of the sermon here. I wanna talk about 10 things you need to know about fasting. We'll be all over the scriptures tonight. Uh, we'll post some of these scriptures and some of these ideas on our Instagram tonight so you can kind of follow up later uh, if we're moving a little fast. But I wanna tell you these 10 things. Uh, these 10 things come out of the scriptures, okay? Um, we're gonna see in the scriptures where fasting comes in. We're gonna see all of the ways fasting plays out. But then I also wanna let you know um, kind of how personal the sermon is to me. Um, so here's what I'll tell you. I, I went 29 years of my life without fasting. 
without taking fasting seriously, without thinking about it, without really caring about it. 29 years, and then it's fall of 2017. And honestly, I couldn't even tell you the reason um, why I started thinking about fasting and reading about fasting that fall, but it was fall of 2017. God just kind of like put it on my heart that this is something I've been ignoring and neglecting. Uh, and it has been years of me exploring this discipline of fasting in private, um, wanting desperately to share about it publicly. Uh, but I'll just be honest, and some of you will think this is weird. I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me no. Just no, it's not yet, like wait. And then as we came along to this new year, it just felt like this is the exact time where we need to step into this. And so I want you to know this has been a really personal journey for me. I have 10 things I'm gonna tell you about fasting. I had like 55 things about fasting I was gonna show you and then decided like that'll like take up the duration of the fast. So we'll just stick to 10 tonight, okay? Like that's where we'll go. But I want you to know this is really personal to me. This isn't a theory. This isn't some idea. This isn't something I read. This is something I've been walking through in my own journey and my own faith. And let me tell you, it has been so fruitful for myself, for my ministry, for my family, uh, for everything around me. And I want to invite you into this. So 10 things you need to know uh, about fasting. Here's the first one. Um, it's very clear. Uh, fasting is something every major biblical character did. Every major biblical character from Moses to David to Elijah to Esther to Daniel, to Anna, the prophetess who prophesies and is waiting for Jesus, to Jesus himself, to Paul in the early church, Old Testament, New Testament, big moments, small moments, big public fasts where everyone does it together, individual fasts where people just fast on their own and seek the Lord. All throughout the scriptures, you'll see fasting. There are 77 references to fasting in the Bible, and it's usually really subtle. You'll actually notice that the fast is rarely like the main part of the story. Usually they say, and they were terrified. So they fasted and they prayed and they sought the Lord. And then they went and did this. And it's just like thrown in there. And if you're not looking for it, you won't see it. But once you start to look for it, you'll see fasting everywhere in the scriptures. There are more references to fasting than there are books of the Bible. It is everywhere throughout the Bible. It is a common theme. It's not some obscure thing that we were like in a back room, like what's some weird trendy thing we could do right now? Fasting, like it's all over the Bible. Number two, fasting is something Jesus anticipated his followers doing. This is something Jesus anticipated that if you are a follower of Jesus, he anticipated that you would fast. Now, let me show you this in Matthew chapter six. Uh, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on oil on your head and wash your face. So you'll see in both of those places, he doesn't say if you fast. He doesn't say if you think to fast. What does he do? He says, when you fast, he assumes it's gonna happen. He assumes followers of Jesus are going to fast. He assumes his disciples are going to take place in this discipline of fasting. I'm not prepared to stand here and tell you if you never fast, you're walking in sin. I am prepared to tell you if you never fast, you are not going to be able to walk into the fullness of what God has for you. Because Jesus assumed this was true. And again, there might be moments or seasons or even long stretches of your life where you can't. We talked about that. But Jesus just assumes this fasting is going to happen. He assumes that we're going to do it. And I think the conviction for me three years ago, and perhaps the conviction for some of us tonight, is that Jesus assumed we'd do it. And again, he uses the same language here. This is Matthew chapter 6, where he talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He talks about giving. And he says, when you pray, do this. When you fast, do this. When you give, do this. And if you think praying... If you think giving are significant, normal parts of the Christian life, you've got to throw in fasting in there. Jesus assumed 
that his first followers would fast. Here's how the scripture here ends. It says, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And this is Jesus really laying out the principle that if you're going to fast, you really shouldn't try to make everyone know about it. And we can kind of get into like, it's not that you have to keep it a secret and you're like not eating at lunch one day and you're like, I'm just not hungry. You know, like, it's not like you have to lie, but the goal is that you're not trying to manipulate and show off how spiritual you are. Okay, so if you go into the fast with us here, I wanna encourage you to tell people, your roommates, or if you're like dating someone, you should probably tell them, hey, for 21 days, you know, that kind of stuff. But just don't like brag about it. Don't make it this big thing for everyone to know. Don't make it this show of how spiritual you are. This is what Jesus is getting into because he assumes if you're a follower of Jesus, and I don't even assume everyone here is a follower of Jesus, but if you are, Jesus assumed you would fast. Here's the third one. The fasting is a spiritual discipline that brings spiritual reward. It is a spiritual discipline that is literally, explicitly, boldly promised to you that will reap reward in your life. We actually just read it. I'll put it up on the screen again. Jesus said this. Remember, he said, your father who sees what is done in secret, who sees your fast, who sees that you're fasting, who sees that you're fasting for 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours, that you're fasting from alcohol for 21 days or caffeine for 21 days, that sees that you're doing this for 21 days. When he sees that, he will reward you. Like there's a reward for you. And here's what's wild for me. I went 29 years of my life leaving that reward on the table. It was like right there for me, but I didn't want it because I didn't fast. And I want to invite some of you tonight to fasting, not just like muscle up and show how strong you are as a follower of Jesus, but to receive the reward that Jesus actually wants to give you. And you might ask, okay, what's the reward? And here's the thing. I don't know what that looks like in your life. I can tell you some of the things it looks like in my life if you want to talk about it, but here's what it is. I think if God, my father, promises me a reward, it's going to be good. It's not going to be not good. He's my loving father in heaven. He's going to give me good things. I'm a dad of two kids. I love giving them good things. It's my biggest delight to be like, here, try this thing you've never tried before. And it's the same thing for God. He wants to reward you. And my fear is for some of us as followers of Jesus, we're just leaving that reward on the table. See, this is the reward. What he sees, he sees what you're going to do in secret. He knows what you're doing. And God will reward you. That's a promise he makes. Here's the next thing about fasting. Uh, number four, fasting is a discipline that gives you access to power you aren't using. It's a discipline that gives you access to power you aren't using because all discipline gives you access to power that you aren't using. What do I mean by that? I want you to imagine you go into the discipline uh, of exercising, of lifting weights, of working out. You decide that you're going to do that in the new year. What starts to happen? You go through the discipline of lifting three, four times a week. You start to get in shape. You start to be able to lift more weight and you start to have more power. Those muscles, that ability to lift was already inside of you, but discipline gives you access to that power that you weren't already using. Some of you, if I, let me give you another example. Some of you are thinking about your budget this year in the new year. We talked about a budget back in the summer and some of you have started to implement that. When you start to have discipline with your money, you now get to access the power of your income, right? You're not wondering where did all my money go? You're actually getting to use your income for what you wanna use it for. Discipline gives you access to power that you already have, but you're not using. And child of God, can I tell you that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of your bones? The Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence inside of you. 
And when you walk in the spiritual disciplines, you start to be able to access that power with inside of you. You start to access that power to fight against sin and fight against fear and fight against insecurity and fight against the things that are holding you back in this life. When you fast, you are taking part in a discipline that gives you access to a power you're not using already. And that's what all of us need. Like, listen, the Christian life isn't just like, here's some good principles and try your best to live them out. No, the Christian life is the Holy Spirit of God lives in us and empowers us to live supernaturally in this world. And that's what I want to invite you into with fasting, to tap into this power that's already inside of you that you experience through the spiritual disciplines and especially through the spiritual discipline of fasting. Um, here's number five. Number five is that fasting leads to victory over sin addiction, and strongholds. Fasting leads to a victory, a kind of victory that some of you have not achieved. When I talk about sin and addictions and strongholds, there are some of you who do not need me to describe what that means because you know exactly what it means. It is the sin you have tried to kick for years and you haven't been able to. It is the thing you keep promising you'll never do again, but you do again. It is the thing that you do over and over and over again, even though you promised you wouldn't. That is a sin it is an addiction. We talked about strongholds. It's like this mighty fortress that the enemy has built inside of you. And here's my conviction, that when we fast, it leads us for victory over these things. Why am I convinced of these? Number of scriptures. Here's one that we won't even get to in this series. There's so many good fasting stories, but Daniel chapter 10 has to be one of the wildest chapters of the Bible. And if you've never read it, here's what happens. Daniel, like Daniel and the lion's den, Daniel, that guy, he's like sitting by a river somewhere, which is like a really cool place for any scene. He's sitting by a river and he starts to fast and he fasts for 21 days. That's actually where we get the Daniel fast. If you've ever heard of that, we'll talk about that later. But the Daniel fast comes from this scene in Daniel 10. He fasts 21 days and he eats only basically like vegetables, fruits. He only eats those things. He doesn't eat anything nice. He, he says no fine food, so no alcohol, no meat, no nothing. He does that for 21 days. On the 21st day, after 21 days of nothing happening, an angel shows up out of nowhere and goes, Daniel. And Daniel does the thing everyone does when they see an angel in the Bible. He falls down and thinks he's going to die, right? Every time you see an angel in the Bible, you think you're gonna die because they're so terrifying. And he goes, Daniel, don't be afraid. Daniel, man who is dearly loved, which is just this thing like if God looked at you and said you are dearly loved, it would change your whole life. And by the way, through the cross, he already has. But, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Daniel, you are dearly loved. And here's what's so beautiful about the story. The angel says, Daniel, from the moment you began fasting and praying, I was dispatched to you. I was sent from heaven to you. But this is what's crazy about the story. Here's what this is so wild. He goes, but I was held up by the prince of Persia, which is crazy. It's like their spiritual angel is sent from heaven, but this other spiritual being like fought with him, made war with him. He needed some assistance. It was brought in and he got loose and 21 days later arrives at Daniel. This is so crazy. Daniel fasts for 21 days and on the 21st day, God comes through for him. And here's what I think is wild. When you fast, you are engaging in a spiritual warfare that is happening all around you. And listen, some of you are going to tune out here because you think I'm just like kooky dukes for this, okay? Like you think spiritual warfare, like really there's spiritual warfare going? Yes. All around you. In this room right now. In your home. Around your heart. In your mind. Are you actually convinced that the enemy doesn't have a stake in you being addicted to porn for the rest of your life? Are you actually convinced the enemy doesn't have a stake in you being discouraged and insecure in every moment for the rest of your life? There is spiritual warfare going on in your life. Angels and demons and powers and principalities. And when you fast, you invite God's power into that. And that's what I want for you. 
I want for you to participate in this unknown spiritual world that I don't even fully understand. The Bible doesn't fully explain, but here's what I know, that victory is found when God's spirit gets involved. And so my invitation for you to fast is to say, okay, listen, if you've tried all of your tools and ideas and strategies for overcoming this sin, this addiction and stronghold that you haven't been able to break, what do you have to lose in trying fasting? What do you have to lose in saying for 21 days, I'm going to go do something extreme to invite God into this in a way that he's never, I've never experienced him before. This is the invitation for you. Fasting leads to victory over sin, addictions, and strongholds. Here's number six. Listen, fasting magnifies God and minimizes the world. Fasting is like a magnifying glass. If you remember playing with those as a kid or in science class or whatever, you hold up a magnifying glass. And here's what you all know with a magnifying glass. Magnifying glasses don't make anything in the world bigger, right? You hold up a magnifying glass and you look at a little ant. It doesn't make the ant bigger. It just gives you the perspective. It allows you to see details. It allows you to admire it. It allows you to look at something. And here's what fasting does. Fasting is a magnifying glass to God. It doesn't make God bigger. God can't be possibly bigger. It doesn't make him more glorious or more grand or more holy, but it allows you to see him more clearly. And then the inverse is true too. It allows you to see the things of the world as less spectacular than you think they are. It's that old hymn that says, turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. When you fast, God looks more awesome and the things of this world that distract you look less awesome. And can I just be bold tonight? I think there's some of you in this room. Maybe this has been your entire adult life. Maybe it was just 2020 kind of threw you off on this. I think for some of you, your biggest problem isn't sin. Okay? Like your biggest problem isn't some addiction or some terrible bad thing you do. If you were to name all of the activities in your life that you even do in private, no one would be horrified. No one would think it was bad. I think for some of you, your biggest issue is not sin. Your biggest issue is the frivolous things of this world. And you are just so unbelievably caught up in the latest trends, in the latest gossip, in the latest celebrity thing, in the latest fashion and shoes and clothes. And you're caught up in TV shows and just all of the things. And listen, it's not that any of those things are bad, right? Like I didn't put them in the sin category. I just put them in the stuff category. But I just want to speak boldly to someone in this room who's really gotten caught up in the world. Like you've just become so enamored with the things of this world that God is kind of this afterthought to you. I read a sentence in a book that I was thinking about when we were coming into this fasting series where this person said, the problem for most of us is we've nibbled at the table of the world for so much we have no more hunger for God. Yeah, who is right? Like that just cut me to the core. Because I go like, how much do I just like nibble at all the things the world has to offer and all the cool little pleasures and interesting things around? And I just don't even think I want God. And this is what fasting does. It magnifies God. And it minimizes the world and it allows you to have more of them. And I want to invite some of you to fast because you've just gotten caught up in all the things of this world. Not even bad things. You're just caught up in trivial things. And I want to invite you toward the most important thing. Here's number seven. Um, and this is going to get personal for some of you because it is for me. Fasting allows you to think about the role food plays in your life. I hope at this point in your adulthood, you have come to the place where you realize that you do not just eat food when you're hungry. See, when you're a kid, you just think, oh, I eat food because I'm hungry. And I hope you have gotten to a place where you understand that food has a much bigger role in your life than you would like to admit. And those of you I spoke earlier about who are walking through an eating disorder either have or currently are, are probably more aware than most of us. 
And if you're not walking through an eating disorder, it's easy to be like, ah, food's not a big deal. I don't have to think about it, but I need you to think about it. And fasting forces you to think about it. See, fasting forces you to think about the role play, food plays in your life because fasting is you opting for a season to not eat any, either all foods or certain types of foods. So here's what I mean. For some of you, you eat to cover up some pain in your life. There's some kind of wound that happened a long time ago or some kind of wound that you have on a daily basis and you eat to manage that pain or you eat to manage your stress. For some of you, you eat to please the people in your life, your roommate or your mom. You don't even wanna eat, you just eat because you feel like that'll make them happy. For some of you, you've associated eating and the television and that's how you relax at night and so you've just kind of connected those things in ways they don't actually have to be connected for. I'm not even saying any of these things are bad things. I'm not saying you should only ever eat when you're hungry. I think that may even be a disordered way of going about it. I'm just saying when you fast, you start to recognize the relationship you have with food and how you're using food at times to replace what you should be going to God for. You go to God rather than food or, or go to food rather than God. Well, let me put it to you this way. Uh, if I can just be vulnerable with you. Um, I, I've shared before, I'll share again. Um, and, and there's nothing special about me. This is true of every pastor you've ever met. Um, there are Thursday nights where I walk off the stage and I just go, I wonder if Home Depot's hiring, <laughs> right? Like, that's what I think. I can just go stack lumber at Home Depot because I shouldn't preach. I shouldn't do this anymore. I'm out. I go home. I tell my wife. I'm like, uh, uh, Home Depot, look at, like, see if they're op job opening. She, she kind of knows the rhythm at this point. And I go, I'm the worst preacher there ever was in the history of preachers. And she goes, that's probably not true. Uh, and then we discuss. And then I go to bed and wake up and I'm fine by Friday morning. Okay. But here's what happens sometimes. I leave this place. I feel like I bombed the sermon. I feel like everything's terrible. You're all looking at me like, boo, right? But you're not doing it because you're polite, right? And so I leave the stage and what do I do? I drive home. There's a Carl's Jr. right next to my house. And I go there and I roll through and I get a milkshake. And listen, I don't know if that's a necessarily always a bad thing to get a milkshake late at night because they're good milkshakes. But, but, but here's what fasting forces me to do. Uh, like in the seasons where I'm fasting or when I'm saying, hey, I'm gonna fast in this season or I'm not going to have this or that or the other thing, it forces me to say, okay, the milkshake is delicious and the milkshake is wonderful. And you know what? On a Thursday night, late at night, it is okay to have a milkshake, okay? It's not that that's bad. It's just that it's bad that instead of dropping to my knees in prayer and seeking out the Lord for a confirmation of my calling, I'm rolling through Carl's Jr., right? Like, like, like that's where it gets real for me. See, fasting forces me to think about the role food plays in my life. When I'm fasting for a day and I decide I'm not gonna eat on a certain Tuesday and then it's Tuesday afternoon at 3 p.m. and I'm working on a sermon or I'm taking a phone call and I'm stressed out and I turn to eat food, I realize that it's not actually because I'm hungry, it's because I'm trying to manage something in my life that God can manage far better than food. See, that's what fasting can do for us. It allows us to uncover some of the idols in our life. It allows us to uncover some of the ways that we're using food to manage things that it was never meant to manage. Here's number nine. Number nine is this, is that fasting, or I'm sorry, number eight. Uh, fasting is a way to declare war on your pride. I'll be simple on this one. I'm 100% convinced and certain that you have areas of pride in your life. Like different species of pride, if I could say it that way. Like some of you struggle in pride in certain ways and others of you in different ways. And I have my own kind of pride. And if you think you've overcome pride, you're prideful. Uh, okay, right? Like there, there's no way around this. Like pride is the root of all different kinds of sin. And pride is the most insidious, sinister sin that poisons everything in your life. And fasting is a way to declare war on it. Like I've said it before, I'll say it again. I have no interest in you making peace with your sin. I want you to make war on your sin. And how do you declare war on your pride? You fast 
You humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. You get on your knees, you fast, you pray. Listen, when people are fasting, there's just nothing about you that feels awesome. I need to be really clear. Like fasting, sometimes people are like over self-fasting. They're like, don't worry, you'll be hungry for like 30 minutes and then you'll feel great all day. That's not really true. Life's not for me. I don't feel that way. I feel like sometimes I feel terrible. I was doing Daniel fast once where you don't have caffeine and I drink like more coffee than like this half of the room combined. And like, I, I, like for like four days I had a headache. I felt so weak. And you know what I realized? Like just how weak I actually am. You know what fasting does? Fasting shows you that you're not actually that strong and that awesome. It shows you that when Jesus said, pray for your daily bread, that daily bread is actually a sustenance for you that God gives to you. And if you didn't have that, you'd have nothing. This is what fasting does. It humbles us. It reminds me of this scripture. I go back to it over and over and over again. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. How do you want to be raised up? You want to be exalted? You want to have a great thing? You want to have God do mighty things through your life? You got to humble yourself. And humbling yourself is going to be more than fasting. But I'm convinced it's not less than that. You humble yourself before the Lord. Here's our ninth one. Two more left. Fasting is a mystery that, you'll un- that you will not understand until you do it. Fasting is a mystery you won't get until you actually fast. It's like this. Have you ever watched a movie or been talking about a movie that you watched with a friend and you share some hilarious line from the movie and you're like, ah? And then they look at you with that look of like, huh? And then you're like, oh, I guess you had to see the movie, right? Like you had to see it in context or, or, or even better. Have you ever shared, tried to share a hilarious story? And it was like the funniest moment, like you were crying, peeing your pants, laughing. And then you're trying to share the story later. And then you know your story is not that funny when you have to end it with, and we all were laughing so hard, right? That's the moment. Like you had to be there. Yet if you weren't there, you wouldn't have known. If you weren't there, yeah, that's fasting. Like, listen, I can stand up here all night and and talk until I have no words left to say about fasting and how beautiful and wonderful it is and how God meets you and the ways he's blessed me and blessed my family and blessed my ministry and done all of that kind of stuff. Listen, you'll never get it until you do it. You'll never get it. If you're going, well, I don't understand. Well, I don't quite get how not eating has anything to do with Jesus. You'll never get it until you do it. Like, this is the phrase I've used over and over and over again. Three words, obedience precedes understanding. Obedience precedes understanding. Obedience comes first, it precedes, it comes before, and then you understand. You wanna know what prayer is all about? Pray. You wanna know what giving is all about and what that does to your soul? Give. You wanna know what fasting is all about? You gotta fast. You gotta do it. You gotta step in and be a part of it before you understand, not after you understand. The big mistake so many of us make when it comes to the Christian faith is we think, I've got to understand it perfectly and then I'll walk in obedience. And the problem is this side of glory, you will never understand it perfectly. Obedience precedes understanding. You gotta try it to understand it. And then here's the final one, the 10th one. Fasting is something that the son of God had to do to accomplish his purpose. Um, Back in the fall of 2017, I told you for some reason, I can't even at this point recall why, I started reading books and studying and listening to sermons and really thinking about fasting. And this was the idea that rocked my world and sent me down this road of fasting. Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, God in human flesh, the perfect sinless son of God had to fast in order to accomplish his purpose in this world. And so who am I to think that I can accomplish God's purpose for me in this world if I'm not gonna fast? Like, do you think if Jesus could have accomplished his purposes in this world without fasting, he would have? I think he would have. Fasting, especially Jesus's fast was 40 days in the desert. Jesus did that. Do you think that was pleasant? 
Like, if you think that was pleasant, you have this misunderstanding of Jesus that he was like sort of a human, but not really. No, he was a human being just like us. He was God in human flesh. He was hungry. He was tired. He was weary. And that's what he had to do to accomplish his purpose. And so I thought to myself, like, okay, listen, if Jesus and then every other major biblical character had to fast, who am I in my arrogance to think that fasting is not for me? And this is what sent me down this road. And this is what I want to invite you toward tonight. I want to invite you to go down this road where you decide that you're going to fast, where you decide if Jesus needs fasting to accomplish his purpose, I'm going to step into that in some way. I'm going to be a part of that. I'm not going to leave that blessing, that reward, that gift, that thing on the table that God's given to me. I'm going to make fasting part of my spiritual toolbox. And that's what I want to invite you toward tonight. That's what I want to invite our family here on Thursday nights. And those of you who are listening to us online, I want to invite you into this starting tomorrow, into our 21 days of fasting. So here's the question I want to answer right now. What now? What do I do? Okay, great. Fasting seems like an interesting thing. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe some of you have done it before, but it's time to kind of take it to the next level and and lean in. Here's the first thing you need to do. What now? First thing, decide you're going to fast. That's the first thing. I know this sounds crazy. It might even sound oversimplified, but you need to make the decision that you are going to fast to say, God, I'm going to submit to this. I'm going to walk in this. I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to respond to this call and I'm going to fast. And I want you to do it even if you've never done it before. Even if you're like, that seems scary. I've never done this before. Do you know that the greatest things in your life always start with something you've never done before? There's actually never been anything in your life you've ever done that you haven't done before, right? Like everything, everything starts with, I've never done this before, but you do it. Decide you're going to fast, even if you've never done it before, even if you're scared. Can I just identify for some of you, you feel scared right now? You're kind of like, this sounds really interesting, but actually like when I get hungry, I get kind of cranky. I'm like the Snickers commercial, right? You're not at your best when you're hungry, right? Like that's me and I'm scared of this. I'm worried, I'm nervous. I don't want to do this. Just admit it. Tell God, even if you're scared, I'm going to do this. Do it even if, um, even if you have an event next week. This is an important little piece. Um, there is never a good time to fast. I need you to know that. Some of you are like three weeks of fasting. So if it starts on Friday and then it goes to the 28th, the only problem is on the 23rd, it's my sister's birthday. And on the 18th is this lunch I go to every, and like, you're like playing this out. You're like, okay, so maybe I'll fast except those days. Fast those days. There's never a good time. Uh, last time I did a Daniel fast, which is a 21 day fast where you're eating nothing but like basically fruits and vegetables. Um, It was two of my best friend's birthdays. Um, And I rolled into their birthdays and everyone's like really eating and drinking and enjoying and all that kind of stuff. And I was like in the corner eating carrots. Like, it's okay, it's okay, right? But, but this is it. Like, there's never a good time. And I knew going into that fast, that would be like kind of a lousy experience. But you know what? Like, I survived. It's okay. You don't have whatever the thing is you're going to have. Like, you just do it. Even if you've got a thing going on, just power through it. Here's the great thing about birthdays. They'll come around next year. You'll be okay. All right. Even if you have an event next week, even if you're not sure it's going to make a difference, even if you're not sold yet, you're like, I'm just not sure not eating food or how, how food has anything to do with my spiritual life. Even if you're not sure, I just want you to decide. I want you to wrestle with God tonight. I want you to step into this, not because you perfectly understand it, but because you know God is giving this to you as a blessing. That's what I'm inviting you toward. Next thing I want you to do is choose which kind of fast. There are a number of kinds of fasts, and here's where I've said since the beginning, I'm going to explain this, so I'm going to explain this to you now. Um, I do not anticipate anyone in this room going 21 days without any food. I think that is possible. And if God tells you to do that, do it. But here's what I suspect. 
I suspect more people than not in this room are going to be kind of toward the beginner side of this. Uh, And so I want to explain kind of how that works. So if you're like advanced and fasting, you've done this a ton, this will be a good review for you. But if you've never done this before, I want to invite you to a number of different kinds of fasts that you can consider for one day, for a few days. You can do every Monday, whatever you want to do. But here's what we'll talk about. We'll talk about the complete fast. This is probably the most simple, basic biblical fast. It's only liquids for a certain amount of time. When I say liquids, it could be only water. Sometimes I do water and coffee. Sometimes I do water and coffee and Coke Zero because I love Coke Zero. You know, like, let's just do that. Some people do fruit juices and there's calories. So you're like, oh, is that cheating? Like, don't, there's no cheating here. There's just you going, God, I'm going to try. I'm going to step into this. If you've never done it before, it's totally appropriate. In this little book we gave you, it'll even talk about fruit juices and what might be useful for you. You step into it. You do a complete fast. If you have never fasted before, I want to invite you to start with a 24-hour fast where you eat dinner, let's say on a Monday night, and then you go to bed. You don't eat breakfast. You don't eat lunch. And you eat dinner on Tuesday night. You skip two meals. If you've done that and want to take it to the next level, do a 36-hour fast where you eat dinner on Monday night, you don't eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Tuesday, you break your fast for breakfast on Wednesday morning. This is very doable for almost everyone. I want to call you toward that. If you've done a 36-hour, maybe try a 48-hour, maybe try a 72-hour. Again, step it up to whatever level you haven't been. This is the complete fast. This is the most basic biblical fast. You can drink liquids, You just don't don't eat food. Here's the next one. It's a selective fast. A selective fast is where you choose a specific type of thing you're not going to eat. So for example, this is not a selective fast. I'm going to cut out sweets and desserts. Like that's such a vague category because then you're like, okay, do I have a muffin for breakfast? Is that that like a cupcake? Or you you get into this weird stuff. No, here's a selective fast. I'm going to cut out alcohol. I've talked to people already who are saying, I'm just not going to drink for 21 days. And I think some of you need to make that decision. I think some of you 2020 just became like the stay at home drink fest and you need to stop. And if you can't tap the brakes for 21 days on alcohol, there's more deep work you need to do in your soul. 21 days. Maybe it's caffeine. Like for some of you, you're like, I just love my latte in the morning. Or for me, I'm like, I love my pot of coffee, right? Like if that's you, I I think you may have to actually go after that. Like I'm not going to be mastered by that. I'm going to cut out caffeine. Maybe it's meat. Maybe it's something else. But again, make it specific, okay? Don't make it like generally I'm going to cut out like bad foods. Like that's not a thing. You have to decide what it is. So a selective fast. The next kind is a kind of selective fast called the Daniel fast. This is, I've talked about this where for three weeks you decide I'm only going to eat um, vegetables and fruits and things that come out of the ground. I'm not going to eat processed or or meat or dairy. Basically you're going like a vegan diet with unprocessed stuff. Tons of information online. Uh, can be a really powerful thing for you. Uh, I've done this before. I've done this with my wife together. Uh, It's been a really fruitful experience. It's difficult, uh, but it is a fruitful experience. Uh, And then the next fast I want to put to you is the partial fast. Uh, And the partial fast would just be uh, that you fast certain hours. So just to be candid, and I've wrestled with whether I should share this or not based on what Jesus commanded in Matthew 6. Um, But I think in in, in just transparency and trying to be in the leader, um, this is what I'm going to participate in. So a partial fast for me is going to be, I'm going to fast from sun up until sundown. Um, I'll, I'll fast till dinner each day. Uh, And that's going to be a new thing for me. I've never tried that. I've never done that for a duration of three weeks. This is going to be kind of like a new thing for me. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous, scared, whatever. But I'm going into that. That's what the partial fast is. So maybe you make that decision. Like, I'm going to fast toward this time. And again, all of these things can be like, you do it on just the Mondays. Or you're going to fast 24 hours three times. It doesn't have to be all 21 days. But I want to invite some of you into that. I want to invite some of you to join me where we're just going to do this fast till sun up or until sundown every day. Uh, it's kind of sometimes called like a Jewish fast because in the Jewish mind, the day starts with the sundown, with sundown 
and actually ends the next day. So it actually starts like when the sun goes down this evening and ends the next day. So anyway, that's the partial fast. And here's the final one is the soul fast. Um, I said since the beginning that this is about food, but then I also said that some of you should not fast food right now. Um, so if you're in that category, um, for whatever reason where fasting food is not the right call for you, I wanna call you toward the soul fast. And that's where we look at things like Facebook, um, Instagram, social media, Netflix. Um, some people are gonna cut out uh, news, watching news, watching the TV. Uh, for some people, I've even talked to folks who say, you know, for 21 days, I'm gonna stop tracking calories. I'm gonna stop exercising because I've kind of gotten addicted to that. So there's different ways of getting into that. Again, I wanna call you toward fasting from food, but if that's not wise for you right now, I want you to join us with the soul fast. I want you to join us by cutting out something. And here's the principle, no matter which fast you choose here, because there's a lot of options and a lot of different ways. You can do it one day or 21 days or all these different types of things. Here's the principle that I want you to guide you as you select. If it matters to you, it matters to God. If it means something to you, it means something to God. Maybe for you, 24 hours of fasting is the scariest, biggest faith step you've taken in a decade. I believe that matters to God. And just because the person next to you is going to do a 72-hour fast or a 21-day fast of all these things, just because someone else is on a different level than you doesn't mean it doesn't matter to God. If it means something to you, it means something to God. And this is what I want for you. I don't want you to try to impress me or impress the person sitting next to you. I don't want you to try to do something to show how spiritually strong you are. I just want you to say, God, this means something to me. It means something to not drink alcohol for 21 days. It means something for me to, to fast for 48 hours. I've never done that. I'm scared of that, God. It means something for me to go to my sister's birthday party and not enjoy the foods I was gonna eat. It means something to me, God. And I believe when it does, it means something to God. God sees that. And here's what Jesus, the Lord Jesus promises. When you do this in secret, when you make this decision, God's gonna reward you. That's not a, that's not a thought. That's not a hope. It's a promise he makes. God will reward you. So here's what I want to call us toward right now. Um, I'm going to put a phone number up on the screen. And this is a phone number we've used for a billion things here at Calvary. So some of you have this saved in your phone. Um, and here's the ask tonight. Here's the direct invitation that I've said since the beginning. I want to call as many of you as possible to join in on this fast. It starts tomorrow. Um, and here's the way you can join in on this fast. Here's the way you can let us know, like I'm in on this fast. Um, this phone number is connected to like a text messaging system we have. You text the word fast, just F-A-S-T, to this number that's right up here on the screen. Um, when you do it, you're just indicating, hey, I'm in on this thing. I'm in on this thing. You don't have to tell us what kind of fast you're doing. You don't have to be like, I'm doing the partial. I'm doing the, like, like this is between you and God. But when you text that number, what'll happen is starting tomorrow morning, you'll get a text message every morning from us with an encouragement, with a prayer, with a scripture, just kind of us being in this thing together, fasting and praying and seeking the Lord for the sake of our faith, for the sake of our church, for the sake of our nation, for the sake of our world. This is what you're joining in on. And so here's what I'm gonna ask you to do right now. Um, the, the guys are gonna start, the band's gonna start playing and we're gonna have two more songs as always when we close out the service. Um, but for just a moment as they're playing, um, I'm gonna invite you to do some business before God. Because I wanna be clear, can everyone look at me right now? I have no interest in trying to emotionally stir you up, whip you up, or manipulate you to join this fast. If this is not for you right now, I don't want you to make a hypocrite of yourself. And I don't want you to text the number just because the person next to you is. If it's not for you right now, I just want you to leave your phone exactly where it is and just wrestle with God and try to discern why. For some of you, it's not for you for medical reasons and we totally understand there's no judgment here. But I want you to wrestle with God and ask him one very simple question. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? 
I want you to ask that question. You have a mask on, so you can even ask it out loud. No one will hear it. It's great. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And if the answer is the Holy Spirit wants you to fast, to receive that reward, to get more of God, to experience all of that, then I want you to text that number. I want you to be in with us. But I'm not looking for anyone to do it to impress us, to impress the person next to you or anything like that. This number will be up on the screen. We'll have it up on the screen later. It'll be on our social media. If you decide tomorrow or the next day or next week you want to join in, it's never too late. Just join in with us. But right now, in this, in this room, and for those of you listening online, I want you to ask God that one simple question. And we're going to stand here and we're going to ask together in silence, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Let's wrestle with God. Spirit, we want to ask you tonight, what do you want from us? What do you want from me? What do you want me to do? Not just do you want me to fast, but what do you want during this fast? What are you going to do? How are you going to meet me? What do you want to root out of my life? What sin do you want me to turn from? What things in your holy character do you want me to see? God, maybe more sensitive to your voice, magnify yourself. Would you minimize the things of the world? God, I pray for the person who's just scared right now. They want to do this. They're just scared. I pray you would fill them with a Holy Ghost kind of courage tonight. Pray for the person who's done this before, but they feel like it's time to take this to the next level. God, I pray that you would give them that resolve and that you would give them that diligence. God, I pray against distraction. I pray against people who would um, speak down about this or try to deter us from this call you've put on our family, on this church. And God, most of all, I pray for our faith, for our church. God, I pray for 2021 for Calvary Community Church. Would you do above and beyond all we could ask or imagine in our midst? Would you blow us away? God, we've heard about what you've done in the past and we pray you would renew that in our time, in our time that you would make it known. I pray for our nation. God, I just cry out for the sake of our broken nation and pray that you would bring healing and that you might even use our fast to bring justice and healing and holiness to a nation that desperately needs it. And then God, I pray for our world. I just pray for in some way that through our fast, your glory would cover the world like the, like the waters cover the sea. So God, help us join in on what you're doing. Holy Spirit, tell us what you want us to do. And we'll say yes. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people all across this room said, amen.